Namo tassa bhagavato alahato sama sambodasa namo tassa bhagavato alahato sama sambodasa namo tassa bhagavato alahato sama sambodasa bodang damang sankang namasami It's getting very close to the end of this range retreat for many of you this will be the last Wednesday talk because you have to leave a little bit early that's just the nature of things and so it's appropriate at this talk to start to uh, play around with the concept of anicca. It has so many different meanings and I've often um, taught that even when you start meditating that skillful means of meditating is to keep in your mind the perception of things like non-self. And uh, I've given so many talks on the perception of non-self, that's what I really like the most. It's a perception of emptiness, it's nothing to do with me, I'm only a visitor to my body and to my mind, I don't own it, therefore I don't need to control it, it's none of my business, and whatever happens, who's it happening to? It's only phenomena rising and passing away, so what am I bothered with trying to get jhanas or trying to get peaceful, this is the nature of the world, nothing to do with me, and of course, you know, when you have that type of attitude, you are letting go and all these things happen as a natural course. This is just the nature of things. But uh, because this is getting close to the time people are leaving, it's a great to use the Anicca Sanya uh, for one's <coughs> practice of meditation and the development of wisdom in one's life. And of course the Anicca Sanya is that whatever happens, it goes very quickly. And for those of you on retreat, you're almost, how many days through? I don't know. But anyway, it's going fast. Soon you'll be off retreat and you have to go back to work again. And <coughs> this is just the nature of things. And what happens if you keep that in mind? The retreats pass very quickly. The days and weeks and years pass very quickly. You remember why the Buddha used to tell his monks and nuns, the days and nights are relentlessly passing. How well are you spending your time? What that's doing is not a guilt trip on people, it's just reminding people that if you keep anicca the perception of impermanence or passing or things fading away or uncertainty, if you keep that in your mind, in the front of the mind, it gives you not so much this sense of urgency, because remember a sense of urgency is actually just trying to get things done, trying to go into the future so things can be finished. It's not the sense of urgency, but the sense of presence, which the perception of anicca should be arousing in you. Because you know how fast time passes, that's our usual perception. It means that we are not spending enough time in this present moment. And because, you know, this is what happens that when we're busy planning something else, that's why time goes so fast. And at the end of the day, as I keep on saying, the end of the week, the end of the month, at the end of the retreat, at the end of your life, that is when you start to look back. Say, how many times was I really present here? Because that's the only place where you can find wisdom. It's the only place where truth can be, can exist. Not in the future or the past, not in thoughts and fantasies. So if you really want to be wise, 
has to be done now, not the next moment. If you want to develop peace and stillness in your mind, it has to be done now. It's one of the reasons why I stress the present moment awareness as a foundation of meditation. And present moment awareness is one of the results of developing anicca, sanya, the perceptions of impermanence. It's not a sense of urgency to get things done, it's a sense of focus in the present moment. You know <coughs> there's only a, a certain amount of present moments, so you've got to make the best of each one. As people often tell you, if they've uh, come close to a death, they've had a near-death experience, or that they've had someone close to them who dies suddenly, they always come back to the valuing of what they call life. What they mean is valuing being here, valuing every moment, valuing the present moment. So the perception of impermanence, uncertainty of when things are going to disappear, when things are going to go, you don't know, but you know they're going. It means that every moment becomes so valuable. And I like telling people at the end of a retreat, sometimes it's the last day of the retreat, and what do they do? They just give up. And they think, ah, oh, the last day of the retreat. And I say, no, it's not the last day. It's 24 hours, which is, here we go again, 1,440 minutes, which is 80, something like 86,400 seconds. You've got, and every second is an opportunity to become enlightened, to get jhanas. You've got 86,400 opportunities left. That's a lot. <laughs> Hopefully that's about the right number. Somebody's going to check me afterwards. But, you know, that's close enough, okay. So, yeah, anyway, that's close. So this is uh, very, very important for us to take every second Every moment becomes valuable. And you can see what happens when you don't have the proper perspective of impermanence, of uncertainty. It means you waste so many opportunities in your life. And the other thing about this, which I found very powerful for myself and very powerful for others, and I repeat it so frequently, that now is the time your future is made. This is the only time you can do anything for the future. So now that perception there, that focus, means this present moment becomes far more important. That you know, if I do worry about the future, put your attention right now. You know, I often do that, meditating this afternoon in my cave. I've got to give a talk tonight. What should I do? How should I prepare myself? Get in the present moment. Be right here, right now. Don't even think about the talk. That's the best I can possibly do for giving a good talk later on. And for me that's part of the perception of impermanence. Seeing how quickly time goes gives more focus in the present moment. No urgency to get things done in the future, but being right here, right now. And it's amazing just how that can change much of, much of one's attitude to life. Now, actually, <coughs> A lot of times at Anicca, people think it's the rise and fall, that things just uh, come and go in time. But I've often contemplated, you know, as a, someone who did physics and also someone sort of as a meditator, the whole concept of time. 
and which many people uh, understand this concept of anicca. Of course, it's something else, uh, not sort of time-related about anicca, which I'll come to later on. But the whole thing about time, which almost is creating that anicca, is no desire and craving. Whenever you want something, you know, you create the future. And I've taken that to interesting um, parts, just contemplating that over the many years. You just see that in this world even, in this monastery, just how much of this retreat have you created? Yeah, we've got the walls, we've got the ground, we've got the people. We've got some things which seem to be fixed. But you know, most of our life is how we perceive those things and what we think about them. You know, the Vedanas which we allow to come up with those those uh, experiences. Much of the world we actually concoct. Remember there are five khandhas, the Rupa khandha is pretty fixed, but the other four, the, the Vedanas, <coughs> Sanya, Sankara, Vinyana, a lot of that is how we construct the world. And so you can actually see that this, this thing even of time is so constructed, so made, so concocted. And this is one of the reasons why when you, you play around with even time being uncertain, even your whole concept of time, to see how it's created, it gives a very deeper understanding of what this anichar is. And this is what you can actually experience for those of you who get into deep meditations, it's fascinating just how you are perfectly aware. You're not asleep, but time just gets weird. Hours, you know, go like minutes. You're perfectly poised in this present moment. And hours go past. And it's at first you can't believe that your clock says what it does. You need to go and check it. It can't be right. But my goodness, it has. You've, <coughs> you've warped time by being still, by letting go of desire and craving and wanting things. It's fascinating to see that. So how does that sort of affect this whole idea of anicca, which you always think that, well, things come and go, people die, you know, tomorrow I have to leave, next week I will maybe just be in another country. What do you mean next week and tomorrow? How much are you prisoners of that concept? Has it driven your whole life? We're having calendars. I've got my calendar. Every time I look at it, I realize it's suffering. All the stuff which I have to do. So I don't like looking at it. Let somebody else worry about it. Look at it at the last moment and then realize, oh good, I've got a bit packing. I'm going in an hour's time. So yeah, I'm pretty irresponsible these days. But I recommend irresponsibility. It's much more fun than being a control freak. So don't worry so much. Live in the present moment. Then in this present moment you find you're not creating this prison of time so much. But, you know, sometimes that thing of things passing, it does give you just more into the present moment, more stillness, more peacefulness. Because you realize you've got that choice to be caught up in that world or to be free from it often say those freedoms, the, the freedom of desire and the freedom from desire. The freedom from desire is also the freedom from time. The freedom of desire, where you can just want whatever you want, is just being caught up in time, being caught up in the years and the passing of things. 
always looking forward or looking back. You know, what has gone past? What's going to come in the future? I don't know. Just all I have is this moment. All these other things are just projections of Vedna, Sanya, Sankara and Vinyana. They're not real. The future is a fantasy. You're concocting it. You're making it up. The past too, as I've mentioned before, is a fantasy. What you think happened, that's not what happened. If there is some truth in your memory, it's only a fraction of what happened. Much of it, it was too much to, 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 <coughs> to process. Much of it you just dispose of, you let go of, you don't remember. So th- this is the nature of time. So when we start to learn about Anicca, we also get beautifully free of this prison, which creates so much suffering in our world. How many of you are trying to become enlightened, get stream winning or whatever? Look, forget about that rubbish. Just be here right now. This is where all the Dharma happens. Don't try and get something. Don't try and plan the future. Don't remember all the stupid things you've done in the past, the laziness or whatever. Just forget that. Just be still. And then, when you do this, the other part of anicca comes, which is what I always call the uncertainty, or the, the fact that something which was there now disappears. And that's the beautiful part of anicca, not the passing of things in time, but the passing of things from your conscious awareness. Their disappearance right now. Not that now they were here and a few minutes later they're gone. Right now they vanish. And that is the most fascinating thing. Realizing, as the Sutta said, Yankinchi Samudhiya Dhamma, Sabantang Nirodhadamanti, whatever is, comes into existence. It's, it's, that's their nature, that's what they are, they come into existence. And they have to leave again afterwards. Everything. So even the five candors. And this is what you see in meditation. Hopefully many of you have seen Rupa Kanda vanish. You're washing your body, you may have a sore throat, an aching leg, maybe cold, maybe hot. But you meditate and after a while your body disappears. You can't feel it anymore. It's just not there. It is anichut. Now using that <coughs> word anichut and put an ed on the end of it. It's disappeared, it's gone. Now that's a f- powerful experience if one could only understand it, make use of it. It's like the vein of gold in the mine. If you can pick at that vein of gold, you become very rich. It's a vein of insight where we can understand that even this body vanishes, which means it's not mine. It's not my business, it's not my problem, it's just something which I have to endure, but I'm only a visitor to it. It's beautiful to see things vanish and disappear. It does, if you reflect upon that, if you understand what it's teaching you, it changes a whole lot of perceptions about this body of yours. You're not so worried about it, you're not so concerned about it, you look after it, in the same way that many of you are looking after, especially those in Jhana Grove, looking after the room in which you are staying. If you were living in that room forever, if you possessed it, if that was 
what you own, you would take far better care of it. It's human nature. But if you're only just, you know, visiting, you don't look after it so much. I was being told by Daniel and also by Sanat that many of the things in Jana Grove in the rooms disappear. So because why is that? Because you know, people visit, it's not really theirs, they don't really care about it so much. But if that's your own home, they don't tend to disappear so much. If that's you know, your own tools in your own workshop, you, know, you don't tend to break them so often, as which happens in every community. If that's your washing machine, you don't break the handle so much. You have to pay for it afterwards. It's wonderful to actually to see that if you own something, you take far more worry about it. When you don't own it, you don't really care so much. You're not so attached. You're not so involved with it. And that's the attitude which I say one should have to one's own body. It's not yours. You don't own it. Don't worry about it. If you get sick, I'll let it die. Sooner the better as far as I'm concerned. Get it over and done with. It's on my bucket list to die before I get things all done. Not the other way around. <laughs> so this is the attitude that you have to you know, these things when you see them vanish. You're not so concerned about them. This is one of the great truths of seeing things anichered. Now they were there, now it's gone. You see that this is their nature. And this is a strange thing that many people don't really understand this. They think they do, but when they get close to death, they get worried, they get scared. When somebody else dies, it's a tragedy. And it's the most stupid thing of human beings is when they are shocked when somebody dies. Come on, how long have you been alive? Haven't you seen people die before? And it happens to others, it's going to happen to your mum, your brother, your, your lover, or whatever. This is nature, for goodness sake. Now, where have you been all this life so far? And then, you know, the same as you, you're going to die when somebody tells you you've got terminal cancer, there's no hope for you, you're going to cark it, you're going to die. Now, what's the surprise? Now, you should always say, this is a sign that you understand the Dhamma. If you get the phone call, you know, from a friend or a relation, someone very close to you, say they've just died, you should always reply, yes, I expected that. What do you mean? They died in a car crash, they were only 20. Yeah, I expect that. People die in car crashes, okay? Happens all over the world, every country, every day. And if you really understand Anicca, you understand this is our nature. These things happen. So never be surprised. So that's part of just seeing this body go. And also you get all your happiness. Some of you had a wonderful time in this retreat. And soon you have to go back to the hell realms of Berlin or wherever you're going. <laughs> it's not hell realms, it's a nice city. But what do you expect? You know, whatever happiness you have, haven't you seen it disappear so many times? And do you really think that you can control things that only have happiness, only have good Vedana and never have the suffering Vedana? Do you think you can really do that? 
No one can do that. That is impossible. It's one of those teachings which I've given for many years. What is the happy feelings anyway? Just a space between moments of suffering. And suffering is just a space between moments of happiness. It's a very beautiful little perception to have. So when you're having a good time, always remember, this isn't going to last. It's going to go. It's its nature. So when it does go, you can say, I expected that. I expected the jhana to fade away. I expected the joy to vanish. I expected just all of the inspiration to disappear. Nothing lasts. But when you get sort of uninspired, when you get dull, when you get negative, remember that too passes as well. That's only the suffering. And you know that soon this beautiful happiness is going to come back again. You've been there, done that so many times in your life. Haven't you sort of understood? And the problem is with people that they think they can control all of this. They think that if they come to Bodhinyana Monastery or Jhana Grove and listen to these amazing teachings from this fat old monk, that they will actually be able to control the happiness much better. So when they go back, they'll be much happier and have less suffering. <laughs> no, you're supposed to understand that you're not in control of these things. Happiness comes, suffering comes, none of my business, nothing to do with me. That's what I hope you learn. Not how to control things, but how to let them be. Let them go. Let them disappear. Nothing to do with you. Which means if you are having a hard time, it will pass. has to. can't last. Then you understand something. That yang kinchi samudhiya dhamma, sabantang nirodha dhammanti. Whatever arose, has to pass. has to. And it's nothing to do with you, it's the laws of nature. So remember that. So don't get upset when you're suffering. It's just suffering, that's all. As the Buddha said, the two arrows, the physical arrow, the mental arrow. When you let things go, you let things be, that's the, the mental arrow taken out. It's just life, that's all. You have your good moments, your bad moments, the time you get the paychecks, the time when you just have to do the work. This is life. And it's the same with all these other things. But what I really like is just you know, some of these perceptions which we have. Sometimes you perceive things one way, and the next day you perceive them in a totally different way. And sometimes people tell me that, they tell me, oh, said, you said this last week, and now you say something else this week. You know, you're not consistent, Ajahn Brahm. You're making it up as you go along. Of course I'm making it up as I go along. That's life. Life is made up as it goes along. It's called Sankata Dhamma. Always being made up, constructed, built up. And I don't know why we want consistency. The given consistency is anicca. It's inconstant inco consistency you're looking for. Impossible. So just sometimes you perceive it one way, sometimes you perceive it another way. Which one is the truth? Which one is false? Of course, none of those are correct. So even your perception, it's wonderful to see perception disappear or change because it's so, such a width of this thing called perception, so much space to it, just like body, just like Vedana. And when you start to let go of things, even your perception starts to narrow down. 
and starts to become still. It's amazing just the way the perception keeps on, again, judging. That's one of the important parts of perception. The Buddha described you know, this sanya was recognizing its blue, red, boy, girl, or whatever. Amazing to seeing that sanya vanish. Vanish little by little. You don't judge people anymore. You don't classify them. You don't make distinctions anymore. The whole process of sanya, which measures and distinguishes and discriminates, tends to disappear. It anichas. That's one of the reasons why in the deep meditations it's so hard to describe them afterwards. You know, the perception has just become so refined. All the coarse perceptions have just vanished. They've gone. They're not there anymore. There's only a very subtle remnant of perception left. It's one of the reasons why as you go through the jhanas and the arupas, you know, perception's vanishing. <coughs> not vanishing, now it's there, now it's gone. It fades away gradually until nothing of perception is left. The perceptions in the arupa are just incredibly subtle. You know, that's why it's so hard for people who haven't got close to those stages to even imagine them. Neither perception or non-perception, what the heck is that? This is just what happens. This is a perception, which is you know, perceiving no perception. Is that perception, is that non-perception? Depends on which end you look at it from. This is just what happens. You see, in perception just getting really, really subtle. It's disappearing. The whole point of this, of being anichan, realizing this, there are actually two points to it. Number one, it means you don't trust it anymore. You don't argue and fight over who's got the right perception. You don't worry about that anymore. You know, some people perceive it this way, other people perceive it that way. You know, who knows? Just let it go. Which means that you're not under control of these things anymore. And it's the same with the sankharas, which are the most brilliant. To see those vanish. Anicca. Now, you may not have experienced these, but you experienced some of it, enough to <coughs> have the wisdom. If these things disappear, once they're there, now they're gone. That gives you a whole different perspective on these things. You know that my favorite simile of Anicca, the Kohlkrupa, you know, that's a German for the tadpole. Tadpole can't know what water is because lived in it all its life, but one day tadpole becomes frog. And when tadpole becomes frog, something is missing, which has always been there. That's the whole point of meditation, to allow things to disappear, to go missing, to allow much of perception to go missing. Even just, you know, don't even get jhanas yet, and even nimitta stage, much of, much of your perception has gone. The ability to judge and to name and to distinguish is vanishing. You see that these things, you know, things which were there before are no longer there. Things which you took for granted, which you think were permanent, vanishing. They can't be you, they can't have anything to do with you. It's the same when Kolkropper, the little tadpole, becomes a frog. Body's gone, five senses gone. It's amazing just how much we worry about our five senses. You know, <coughs> worrying about making sure everything looks good, worrying about things tasting good, worrying about whatever, hearing nice things, always being praised, never being criticized, 
always hearing nice chanting or whatever. Fortunately, we don't have nice chanting in this monastery. <laughs> it's chanting, it's good enough. So we don't, we don't go doing chanting. You know, in the old days, we did chanting practice. Oh, that was excruciating. <laughs> Never again we do such stuff like that. And just chant and get it over and done with and, you know, whatever it sounds like, it's good enough. So, you know, we're not Gregorian chants. We don't make a CD and sell our chanting over the, over the world. Except our chanting is very good. I've often said this. It's very good for expelling ghosts. It's true. I mean, they invite Buddhist monks as ghostbusters more than any other religions. And there's a good reason for that. But our chanting, our chanting is so terrible that even ghosts can't stand it and they run away screaming in agony. <laughs> That's my theory anyway, why it works. They're just chanting, it's just sound, that's all, coming and going. So, but it's amazing when things, these things disappear. And of course, the greatest, one of the greatest of anichas, you know, is a thing which actually, you know, makes you stream winners and once returners and arahats, you know, is to see your will disappear. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant experience. One of the fundamental places where you think you exist. I am the one who does. I think, therefore I am. I do, therefore I exist. That vanishes. Even I think, therefore I am. You know, that Descartes. Imagine what happens when there's no thinking left. You can't think. It's just absolutely still. And where the hell am I? According to Descartes, it means you don't exist anymore. That's pretty okay. Especially when you don't do anything, when the will vanishes. You know, you're, you've gone. And much of what a person thinks they are totally vanished. And you're just there, aware of all of this. And that just turns you upside down. It's easy to hear these things and think, oh, you know, this is anicca, this is uncertainty. Things which were always there are now gone. But to experience it is something totally different. Whatever you expect it to be, it's always something different. So that's why I love getting people into those experiences. But they don't exist anymore. They've vanished. And it's oh, it's just obvious. You, know, you just have to be really dumb Freddy not to see that. Fortunately there are many dumb Freddies around. Oh, I've got to be non-sexist or dumb feeders. So there is, uh, this is what happens when things anicca. And to know that is beautiful. And say it's beautiful, some people say it's scary, but you know the other chants of anicca, which all the monks know, anicca, wata, sankaru, pada, wayadamana, upajitava, nirujanti, teizang, wupasamo, suko. What that means for those who don't know your Pali, Impermanent are all sankharas, and sankharas are all the five kandas. Now they're all constructed. Okay, you've got the sankhara kanda, but now they're all sankharas in that sense. They're all constructed, made, concocted, built up from causes and conditions. <coughs> they're all impermanent. Upada Vayadamino. Because they arrive, they're subject to fading away. Upajitawa Nirujanti. And ceasing. This word niroda. Ceasing. The best thing is, 
when they are calmed down, when they cease, that's happiness. That's a weird thing for many people. That when the will does vanish, it's not at all scary. But it's bliss when the body vanishes, when it anichows. It's bliss when perception begins to vanish. It's bliss. When you vanish, it's a much nicer monastery. <laughs> there are too many people here. We're trying to get rid of people so more people can come. <laughs> There's no one here anyway. So Red Chunda, the next time I guess asked to come here, say there's no one staying here. <laughs> anyway, they won't understand that. You get in big trouble when they say, "Where can I stay?" Nowhere. <laughs> what are we going to do? Nothing. <laughs> Nowhere to stay. Okay. There never was any place to stay. Anyway, I'm back from messing around. That. When these things do start to vanish, when they do anicca, when things which are always there cease, is bliss. That's why you know, one of the teachings I always remember from Ajahn Chah is that he liked the, the ending of things, not the beginning of things. Because the ending of things are when things actually cease. You don't like the beginning of a range retreat, you like its end, it's finished. You don't like sort of... Uh, the food in front of your bowl. You like it when it's finished, the meal is over. Or do you like it when it's beginning? Good, a great meal. Good, another journey overseas. Good, another talk. No, I prefer it when it's all finished. When it's any chat. A lot of times that people, they are very joyful when somebody gets born and they cry when somebody dies. Me, I prefer the opposite crying when somebody in sympathy with a baby the baby cries they know what's going on ever seen someone who's dead they look so peaceful everyone else is crying they should be in sync with the person who's actually doing the job they're peaceful so everyone else should be peaceful out of empathy so people get it the wrong way around endings are beautiful endings are cool beginnings suck which is why it's nice to be able to understand the ending of things, the calming of things, is happiness, is bliss. What that really means is the job done, things are finished, they've ended, you've got a chance for peace, for cessation, for finishing things. The trouble is that most people, when things finish, they go and make new things to do. They paid off their mortgage, they just go and buy another house or buy a bigger house. They finish one project, they think of another project to do. This is the problem with people, they don't know how to finish things. They don't know how to end things. They only know how to begin them. So, understanding the ending is bliss. You understand why the highest bliss is Paranibbana complete cessation, the ending of everything. So when you end thinking, oh, that's so lovely, please understand that, create that perception, that understanding, that memory, so that you can always understand that when thought stops, that's much more beautiful than when thought begins. And then, eventually, you won't start thoughts unless you really have to. You think reluctantly. Oh God, do I really have to? But when they stop, yes, 
peace at last. You enjoy the ending of things, when things anicca, because that's happiness. Tezam wupasa mosuko. Their ending is happiness. And it's the same with, <coughs> with everything else which you happen to do. When things finish, when thought finishes, when will finishes, and of course, lastly, when consciousness finishes. The last place where people think they exist. It's amazing just how many people have the under the illusion that consciousness is continuous. Continuous throughout the whole life. Yeah, the body, I understand that comes and goes and it gets old. Yeah, maybe you can see intention, maybe, just maybe. But me, the one who knows, the consciousness, the original mind, the cosmic consciousness, the God consciousness, whatever you think it is, you think that is always there. Kolkwapa, the tadpole, sometimes jumps out of the lake of consciousness. It's not there. Whoops, <laughs> what's going on? You see, this is an illusion. This is, you're deluded by thinking that something which is impermanent, subject to cessation, you think that's always going to be there. And because of that, that's where you have the illusion of me and mine. And when is me, there's always a mine, and when is mine, is control. This is what you think you are. Are you controlled of your conscious objects of consciousness, always trying to have again happiness, no pain? You can't control consciousness, it's not yours. Sometimes you're conscious of one thing. Something so hard, for example, the consciousness of sound. It's just so hard to control. I'm not going to hear this talk, okay? I'm going to blot it all out. You just can't do that. So you know you're out of control. But actually to see this thing vanish is a beautiful thing to see. Because it shows you that there's an ending of this. An ending of this conscious journey. This conscious journey experiencing now pleasure, now pain, now heat, now cold. Experiencing now this life, now another life. Experiencing inspiring Dhamma talk and then something which really is sucks. Having to work, having to get tired, having to sleep, having to urinate. When is there an end of all this? When you see there is an end. Oh, what bliss. Whatever is as the nature to arise. You see, it has to cease. And you know why it ceases. You've got the path. You know, extreme winning. Understanding that is a beautiful experience. That's why the Buddha said that the bliss of a stream winner, you know, it's like just they realize that the amount of suffering left is like the little earth on a fingertip compared to the whole mass of this planet earth. Hardly anything left at all. Still a little bit left, but hardly anything. Oh, what bliss, I'm out of here. Many people say, you're crazy. You must be really negative. Talk about suicidal. This is real big suicide. You're so negative. Why don't you want to exist and enjoy yourself? There's so many places to go and see, so many things to do, so many <coughs> new movies to watch, bands to experience. Go and see the Great Wall of China. Go and see the, the mountains of the Himalayas. Go and see. You haven't lived till you've been in space. 
Is that right? I don't know. But anyway, you find out that that's just a lot of rubbish. When you find out just the peace, the stillness, because when these things are calm, that is bliss. And the more you calm them down, the more they anicar, the more things get finished and don't arise again, the more happiness you have. So that's what you contemplate when people are staying here when they leave. Yeah, it's true. Jhana Grove has disappeared. It's ended for you. Bodhinyana Monastery is no longer here in another country. It's finished. It's anicar. Try not to start new things. Simplify, empty, free yourselves. Because what most people do, when one thing anichas, they create two more things. They start two more journeys. When those stop, they start four more. The life gets so complicated, it's called papancha. But here we're going in the opposite direction, nipapancha. Simplifying, stopping things and keeping them stopped. Not starting new things until eventually one is at peace and that peace is happiness and that happiness is freedom, liberation it's understanding, anicca and if you haven't experienced that at least you can keep it in mind the ending of things not the beginning of them celebrating cessation not birth that's why some of you are going to go on that pilgrimage to India you know that one of the most neglected of all those places of pilgrimage is Kusinara. They always, you know, they find joy in in Lumbini, the place where the Buddha was born. Oh, what joy to go there. Ah, inspired by the place where the Buddha became enlightened under the Bodhi tree. There's such a big temple there. Oh, at Benares. But of all the places which you know not that sort of well looked after, it was Kusinara. But for me, that was the best place, the most important, the most inspiring, where it ended, it finished. I think if you understand the Dharma, that's why that's the most inspiring place of all. It's the promise of the enlightenment has now been fulfilled. Just like the my favourite saying in the in the <coughs> Theragata of the Arahats, they were saying they were just like the workman waiting for his wages. They'd done the work, hadn't been paid yet. And they get paid at Parinibbana when the five candors totally cease. They anicca without remainder at Parisesa Nibbana. Cessation without any remainder. That's what aparisesa means. And the pari means completely stopped. Now that's a beautiful word, this word pari, all around, completely. It's, that is the culmination of anicca, parinibbana, finished, ceased. That's what anicca means. Something which was there has now vanished. Something which was so constant you never even noticed it, you took it for granted. And now it's gone. Ceased. Oh, what joy to know that everything, and I really mean everything, will one day cease. Your consciousness, 
the thing which you think is you, your will, all your Vedana, Sanya, all your Rupa, all of that will one day cease. Oh, what joy. That's it. I've ceased. <laughs> Very good. Okay.